we are going to jump right into it. This is Jason Albert, and this is episode two of the Devin Kershaw Show, where we get Devin's thoughts on the Lillehammer Norway World Cup weekend, where he discusses pretty much everything, uh, coffee, ski selection, wax, the races, which were both a 15K and 30K skiathlon, and a men's and women's uh, relay this Sunday. How's lovely Little Hummer? Oh, it's, uh, well, right now it's nice, but it was, <laughs> it was quite the snowstorm today. Um, that's kind of seems to be the pattern here in Little Hummer. First day is just perfectly sunny and beautiful, and then the next day is kind of a kind of a wild card but uh yeah so it's quite snowy today it probably snowed 15 20 centimeters oh wow wow and that started like that was i talked to matt wickham already and he said they had been tracking that storm oh yeah it was no no it was not out of the blue like we everyone knew it was coming and everyone knew it'd be people really thought it'd be around 10 centimeters so it yeah it was five centimeters more but it was cold enough that the conditions while they were very snowy (laughs) um it wasn't crazy hard to find good skis. Okay. And what was the rough temperature like at race time? Uh, it was about, yeah, it was about minus three, four. We're going to jump right into this. So yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Yeah. I do have a question and I don't know how much you're able to talk about this. Like you were involved in some capacity or you mentioned that you'd be helping out with some waxing on the Norwegian side. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, like what that experience was like for you this weekend. And then in particular, maybe talk about the waxing for the Skiathlon day when it was kind of bluebird and uh, today's day when obviously you guys woke up and there was a ton of new snow there was and it was snowing during the races. Uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been a great I've been really thankful for the experience I've had. So last year I did quite a number of weekends actually with the Norwegian with the Norwegian team. And I'm the lowest man on the ladder. So, so I'm, I'm just kind of Johnny, Johnny helpful. Um, I'm, I'm with that, that crew helping them as best I can. A lot of what I do with the Norwegian team is testing skis. So testing athlete skis is it takes up a lot of my time and it means a lot of kilometers with the, um, with the full-time Norwegian wax techs there. And that's a lot of fun. I have a lot of experience with that as an athlete. So I think they really appreciate my input and I really actually quite surprised. I find it, I find it super fun. And then I also, you know, I've driven some cars around, I've held spare poles, I've been out on the course, I've given feeds, I've done a whole bunch of stuff like that. But this weekend I was more in the tester role. So they have a few test pilots every weekend, uh, in addition to their full-time staff. And really, you know, it is uh, it is an armada of people with the Norwegian team that it is. But you also have to remember they have a lot of athletes competing. So it's so you know if if you have a smaller country with five six full time wax technicians, but you only have six people total racing. I mean, yeah, of course, Norway that has over twenty people racing, they're going to have a team that's a little bigger, and it is. You know, it's big, but I quite frankly, I think they could even use more help <laughs> uh, in, in some capacities. So, no, but it was a lot of fun. And um, move, to answer your questions, with the, with the waxing, like how Norway does it, I mean, of course, I can't get all crazy into the details, but, but they're so incredibly systematic. I think that's what the biggest shock was to me. I think last year, the first weekend, I, I helped them out um that was bite of stolen so before the world cup and i was 
shocked. I'm like, okay, they're going to have some crazy wax, some like pre-mixes that like they're making in the back there and wax and stuff that we have no idea in Canada or that we can't get a hold of. That's not the case. That is absolutely not the case, but they are so absolutely systematic with the process. I mean, they have so many pairs of test skis and it seems insane, but then at the same time, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Maybe we should think about what the structure on top of, on top of the grind, how does that react? And I mean, smaller teams just don't have that capacity because maybe you come in and you getting your skis ground from, from Zach Caldwell and I'm getting my skis ground from Boulder Nordic Sport and athletes on the national team for the US or Canada have grinds from all over the place. Whereas Norway, it's very, very systematic. So, uh, and they work, yeah, it, it, I know it sounds cliche, but there is no substitute. Nobody works harder and longer and more deliberate than the Norwegian wax team. And the reason why I can say that now in total honesty is because like they're guys that we start at, like I don't start today, thank God, but I have started early in the past, but like they're up there at like five in the morning. And, you know, I just got home now and I'm just a tester. They're, you know, they're packing up the truck. It's going to Davos. Those guys are crazy uh, in a good way, but they're definitely, definitely, all technicians are hardworking and should be applauded. Um, but the Norwegians, I don't know. I think it's because it's their national sport and they take it really, really, really seriously. But it's, I'm, I'm blown away every weekend. I'm like, oh my God, you guys don't get tired? Like, this is insane. <laughs> What is their documentation process oh. like, you know, when it comes yeah. to like whether or not it's the, you know, we like to romanticize and it's the, you know, coffee splattered notebook or no. is it like almost near real time data entry on a phone or a laptop? It, it, it's, it's, it's both actually. It's both. It's coffee stain notebooks, but then everything gets put into, gets put into databases, but everything's recorded. Absolutely everything. And they have a real systematic way of going through their test skis and also like the athlete skis as well. All the, all the technicians have a very, very systematic way of doing things and it's all written down. And a lot of the field testing is done by hand uh, and then put into a database uh, after. And then there is actually, you're right, there is some new age stuff that uh, I don't really understand too, too well. But yeah, for sure with apps and, and uh, real time sort of using phones and GPS and that sort of thing as well. So it's a combination of both. But one thing is for sure that the adage of like, leave no stone unturned. I mean, <laughs> the Norwegian wax team have, have pulled up and they, 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 you know, they have the bulldozers out. They have like the drills, <laughs> like the stones, like, yeah, but what about the stones like three feet under the ground? What about those stones? We should turn those over too. And that's what they're doing. So it's, it's, uh, it's quite amazing to see. And I'm, for sure, they have the manpower to do that too. You have to, you have to say that. I mean, a smaller team would have a hard time doing matching that sort of thing because the things they do and the way they can do it, it, it takes eight to ten people to do it at a professional level. But it is a, at an amazingly systematic and yeah, like controlling variables in cross country skiing is very difficult. And I've never, I could have never experienced something like that before. I, yeah, they're very, very exact some other time we, we should drill down into like you were a fisher athlete i think for your entire career and lots of fisher athletes say on the norwegian team how are they getting skis right like what does it mean to get a good ski from say fisher where there's tons of athletes to supply yeah so anyway no no but we can we can get into it a little bit i mean the, that is what's crazy about the world cup with skis i mean a, a smaller fisher is the biggest the biggest uh, brand 
on the World Cup in cross-country skiing. They're the biggest cross-country ski manufacturer in the world, and they supply a lot of different athletes, like you say. But well, what's interesting with Fisher is, of course, the Norwegian skiers, they get as many skis as they want. Like, let's be honest. I don't know. They're, they're getting 50, 50 pairs of skis a year, at least, going through them. And they're not keeping 50, but they, they're constantly giving skis back and forth. Alex, last year and the year before, would be getting, you know, upwards of like 70, 80 pairs of skis from Solomon. And the technicians were going through those for him, as well as the staff from Solomon. Um, but with Fisher... Uh, a lot of the onus is on the tech teams themselves to to dig into it. And that means the Norwegian technicians do a lot of the work. Uh, Fisher, just like you said, has so many athletes that they can't really supply um, factory support to help. So it, it falls on the, the teams themselves. Whereas Solomon, if you're really high up on the pecking order or, or Rosinol or Madsus, you get a lot of help and fantastic help from the factory team themselves so every world cup has um you know the race service teams and fisher has four guys or two to four guys every weekend but um, rosinol will have at least two guys solomon will have two to four guys every weekend but the solomon the solomon guys and the rosinol guys are out there like busting their butts with with the tech teams with the athletes testing like crazy they they, you it's a different environment i think that's because the, the brand is smaller um, there's less people on Solomon, so they can do a follow up a little closer. But uh, yeah, no, it's a really fascinating part of the sport. And honestly, yeah, like you said, we could do a whole podcast. I mean, we could yeah, do like we yeah. could do a whole series on on the ins and outs of uh, of ski selection. But as a general rule, Fisher, they're pretty. It's hard to say that completely because, like you said, I raced on Fisher for a big part of my career, but. Um, if you have a good techni- a technical team behind you, if you have a good technician team uh, working with you, with Fisher, you have to go through a number of skis. But uh, it seems like certain conditions, Fisher skis are pretty solid. Whereas some of the smaller brands, the the best in the world, have just the most amazing skis <laughs> for every condition. So it's it's incredible, but it takes a little bit more it takes a little bit more work yep. if you know what I okay. mean. Um- on a lighter note, are you allowed to walk into that waxing trailer and pull your own espresso? I'm just curious, like, <laughs> you know what they just drink. These guys are, this is blue collar, hardworking crew. It's is there is no espresso in that wax truck. It's just like thick as mud, Scandinavian Dang. coffee. Okay. And yeah, but I'm definitely drinking a number of cups of that coffee a day to keep myself, <laughs> keep myself. Okay. In I just had this vision. Like, yeah, it was like some proprietary streamlined, uh, you know, espresso maker from Italy. No, no, got no, 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 no. It's the real deal. It's the real, it's drip coffee and it's dark. Back to their like farmer roots in Norway. Oh, big time. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. Big time. Yeah. I was even eating some waffles in there this, uh, through the weekend to keep the energy up. So no, for sure. It's, um, oh yeah, there's, I don't know how many liters of black, thick black coffee go down in a race weekend like that, but quite a number of them. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's uh, talk about the racing. And um, yeah, first off, like just to spend like maybe a minute or two on, on the wax for uh, the Scathlon and Classic and like how that conversely switched to today when it was snowy. Was it difficult waxing or pretty straightforward? Mm, it was actually fairly straightforward because the temperatures held themselves fairly consistency as far as the waxing went because it was hard wax conditions. So when you're talking hard wax, 
a lot of different products will work quite well. Um, and it wasn't warming up to three, four degrees. And so the changes, even though the sun came out, it got a little greasier, but not, not crazy. So quite frankly, the, the waxing and classic this whole weekend was pretty steady. Even today, you know, it was dumping snow and it looked like a real battle out there and it was a battle, but as far as the classic waxing went, um, you can get cake. Uh, absolutely. I think, I think the biggest thing challenge with Lillehammer is that Lillehammer is the hardest course in the world cup and the men go up that absolutely leg crushing lung busting climb eight times and you saw that i mean the first lap everybody's feeling and they're, they're they went hard from the first gun here uh in the men and from the first lap everybody looks pretty good on that long four minute climb in the back and then already on the second and third lap you saw guys like slipping a little bit like just a tiny little bit here and there and, and fighting maybe keeping it on their arms a little too much that sort of thing and it can maybe look like oh maybe the waxing's a little tricky but I, I think it's when you put all the corners in into it because you're scrubbing speed through the corners you're losing a little bit of hard wax there and and it's just a punishing course that i think people get a little tired and it's just hard to when you have a climb those climbs are steep and they're long um, it's hard to be totally bomber with your technique and bomber with the skis um, for that course. So, but in general, it was it was pretty straightforward this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, let's let's um jump to a question we got from one of the readers who refers to himself as Holly's husband, <laughs> who's also <laughs> yeah, I've heard Do of him before. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm maybe okay. a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> so this guy Robert Whitney, who refers to himself as Holly's husband, um, he ask a couple of questions, but one of them is like, love some insights on that Lillehammer hill. That is such a beast talking about the, like the length duration and just the grind of that hill and how it breaks so many elite racers. Yeah. Can you just talk about that, uh, hill before we get into yeah. the, the racing over the weekend? Absolutely. I'll go a little deeper. I mean, the, the course here in Lillehammer, you hear a lot of athletes say it's hard and punishing, but a big part of that is there's just not that many flats. You have a nice big stadium, so through the stadium you get you get that flat terrain. But other than that, it, you're either climbing or you're tucking. It's uh, it's very very long, and some climbs are steep, and it's a punishing course. And that hill that Rob that uh, Rob's referring to, it's like it's uh, it's about for the women maybe like or just around four minutes, just under four minutes, and for the men maybe three yeah three and a half minutes and that's just that's doesn't happen very often anymore in the world cup you know i mean back in 1992 that was pretty normal in 88 the old cam war olympic courses that was very normal but you have to also remember back in those days as soon as you got to the top of those like eight minute climbs you just tuck for like <laughs> tuck and do double polling for eight minutes as well so the courses in Lillehammer are very special in that that hill in that duration and you always have people always every single year hitting the bottom of the hill and then just going full gas and then people are like trying to hang on and it's a suicide move they, they don't make it and they don't make it to the top uh, but they act as a springboard for the next group to launch and the magic really happens on that hill in the last 45 seconds because it, it climbs pretty steep at the start and then it gets kind of gradual and rolling but no break absolutely no break still up still uphill and then kicks up again and then gradual for quite a long time. And then right at the end, you have this 30 second last hurrah of <laughs> one more steep pitch. And then 
gradual into a corner before you start bombing down towards the stadium. And it's, it's that last kicker that first lap, not bad. Second lap, not bad. But when the real, when the real race starts happening and in the pursuit, you saw that when Holland just refused to let up and was just drilling it for every single lap, you saw it after the second lap. Where did, they, where did Claybo lose contact? Where did the group lose contact to that group of three? It was on that last little kicker there. So it's, um, oh, it's a punishing course, and that hill is, yeah, no, it, it'll, uh, it'll bite you. I mean, it's, it's insane. The hill obviously bit a bunch of people yesterday uh, in the scaffold. And so let's drill down a bit into the 30K scaffold. And there were some notable performances. One is, I just really enjoy watching Han Christer Holland race. He's just oh. uh, smooth. And obviously he's working incredibly hard, but he just has a way of looking elegant out there. And Bolshinov obviously, you know, was pulled along oh, yeah. and matching his pace for a long time and raced tactically, you know, very wisely and has a sprint finish. So yeah, just some thoughts on some of the performances that were notable for you in yesterday's men's 30K scaffold. Yeah, in the 30K Skiathlon, of course, the performance of the day is Hans Christer Holland. I mean, he's been he's been really good. He's been an amazing skier. Uh, he's world champion in the 50K, and he did that by just crushing and going away from everybody. Um, but today, or sorry, yesterday, it was it was something to see. Uh, he was skiing so beautifully in classic, and he hasn't been the most beautiful classic skier the last few years. I'll have to say, but uh, yesterday he was skiing beautifully technically beautiful like absolutely fantastic and then in the skate what i just love was his guts and the confidence he clicked into his skate skis he didn't look back once he didn't ask for help the first lap everybody's with him or everybody the group had been blown down to about eight or ten anyways after the classic because of the evo show um but um it was uh, it was impressive, and he just kept drilling it. And he led for what fourteen point nine kilometers of that of that race, you know, and and uh, unbelievable. And it, that was his chance. I think it was one of the best races of his career, honestly. Other than winning the Olymp- uh, winning the world championship fifty k in the style he did last year in Seifel, that was something to be. That wasn't. That, I mean, that's a career moment, of course. But today, it, uh, yesterday, God, I get you all confused. I'm tired. Uh, he no, was, uh, yeah. He was skiing beautifully, and and he was the race of the day. Bolshinov is a beast from the east, and if you're going to tow him to the finish line, he's probably going to outsprint you, unless you're Everson. And Everson was so close. I, know, I, I really I have to tip my hat to to Emil. I think Emil Everson had such a great race. This course does not favor an athlete like Emil, who's bigger, who's stronger, hasn't been the best skate skier on steep steep long punishing climbs before and he's he's in the best shape of his career and the fact that he lasted three and a half laps with the punishing pace that holland was putting up look out for ml these next few weeks as well and into the tour to ski he's he's in amazing shape he's really relaxed like talking to him in the wax truck around testing and everything it's all chill and he's really confident so it was uh those three guys obviously were the big race it was a bit of a story that claybo couldn't hang with the pace, but at the same time, uh, Holland did a 15 kilometer individual start skate. And while Claybo is a lot better than he has been, he, he is not at the same level as Holland right now. Last weekend, Holland had the fastest time in Ruka in the 15 K skate. And yesterday he did a 15 kilometer skate again. It just happened to do 15 K classic before. (laughs) And it was, uh, it was a phenomenal race by him. Those three guys, all three of those guys. And I mean, I'm sorry I'm not talking too much about Bolshinov, but I should. He's 
yeah, he's a beast from the East. He was, he was incredible. So tip your hat to him. He, he played it well. And the fact that he could hang on to Holland the whole time is amazing. And, um, he, he beat all the Norwegians on their home turf, and he was pretty happy about that. I think you saw that at the finish line. It's quite a celebration by the Russian. I, I want to kind of tap into a couple of questions that we got for some listeners. And, you know, not unexpectedly, they were referring to Russian doping. And, you know, one of the questions is just, you know, what is the vibe between the Russian athletes and, you know, non-Russian athletes on the World Cup in terms of just whether or not there's suspicion of doping, how they treat Russians? Um, Yeah, I'm just curious what that is like out there. Uh, You know what, with that, it ebbs and flows, really. Um, You know, when there's a bunch of Russians that get caught for doping, the vibe is not so good. Uh, and the last few years there's been suspicion yeah of course there's been suspicion with Russia forever you just dig into the just dig into the amount of cross-country skiers that have been caught for doping offenses with serious doping offenses like blood doping or or EPO use and and, I mean you'll see a lot of Russian names there but at the same time these last few years it's weird I mean they just don't speak English, right? So, so like it's it's pretty hard to have a great relationship with the Russians one way or the other because their English is poor and and you know what? I think a lot of teams are just so involved with doing the best they can to compete the best they can that there's not a whole lot of energy wasted pointing fingers on suspicion of this, that, and the other. I mean, for sure what comes up what comes up a number of times is that when coaches don't change and you'll have a coach that had been involved with five, six athletes that have been caught for EPO and he's still around. I mean, with new athletes that have no suspicions about them, so don't get me wrong, but it's just kind of like, uh, does a leopard lose their spots? I don't know. Maybe they do. But uh, so that that gets discussed every once in a while. And that's a kind of a sad state of affairs, to be honest, because Russia and all teams should be a bit better uh, if you have a coach that was involved with a number of doping infractions like six or eight, for example, maybe it's time they be put out to pasture instead of taken back in to the team. So that gets discussed every once in a while. But, but uh, what I can say gets discussed a lot is they're very strong. And uh, tactically, they haven't been the best ever. Um, but they seem to have tried to improve that a little bit, at least early in the season here. Sure. Okay, uh, women's scathlon yesterday, 15K won, probably no surprise, by Yohog. Uh, but, a, you know, a great performance, early season performance by Jesse Diggins. And, you know, the U.S. is looking good with, uh, you know, Sadie Mobe Bjornsson uh, oh. and Rosie Brennan. But not to dwell on really, not necessarily to to focus on Americans but no we can I think I think it is important to I think it is important to highlight the Americans when they're skiing so well I mean Jesse what I saw yesterday in the ski athlon was the best I've ever seen Jesse classic ski she was skiing beautifully in classic and of course in the skate she was fantastic but that's almost to be expected now um but in classic yesterday especially after Ruka where she wasn't looking so hot in classic I was I thought it was an amazing, of course, it's an amazing performance. She's second in the World Cup. I mean, that, it's a beautiful performance. But in classic, especially technically, uh, wow, a big step up from even last year. So Cork's doing something right, and the whole crew over there is doing something right. Most importantly, Jesse's feeling great and, and all smiles. Great race by her. 
Sadie, I think it says something when you're top 10 and you're like, ah, it was okay. I mean, that's the level now they expect great performances. Rosie and the Scaffon solid again in the relay today. Unbelievable performance by not unbelievable because she's been so good, but Rosie had a great performance today in the relay. Um, but I, I think the American women are doing such a great job so far this year. They're really building on the momentum they've built, like we've talked about earlier, the last number of years. I mean, we were talking about Holly's husband. But I mean, like Holly, Keegan, the, the, Ida's had great races. Liz has had great races. Uh, these are back in the days and they're all retired and they're still continuing here. And it's been really, really wonderful to see. Uh, um, yeah, it was awesome to see them yesterday in the field and what i really like about the women's side of things right now in cross-country skiing is there's a number of nations represented and i think that makes skiing really exciting um the u.s you have Finns, you have the swedes you have the norwegians of course russians you had a czech up in the top 10 last weekend you have just a number of skiers from a number of different nations so the women's side of things is exciting and of course teresa is the best skier in the world uh, she showed that again here. No surprise. If, if the course is going to be hard like that and Teresa's in the shape she's in, you know, it's like, that's how it's going to be. There's a reason why athletes are a cut above the rest every once in a while. I mean, Michael Jordan was an amazing basketball player and Usain Bolt was an amazing sprinter and, <laughs> and Tiger Woods at the peak of his powers won a lot of golf tournaments and Teresa's at that level right now. So that wasn't a surprise, but, uh, Jesse also wasn't a surprise, but it was surprising. And, awesome to see how great she was classic skiing okay and so 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 early and only one sprint so far but it's no surprise or you know it's not a mystery that you know jesse is very viable at least you know a couple weekends in here as an overall contender oh of course she should be a contender and i mean i think it's great that the goal should be that i expect jesse to be in the top three uh, in the overall standings at the end of the year. She's loving it. She seems happy. She's skiing beautifully. Their team is working really well. Yeah, it's going to be a wonderful season for the U.S., and I'm excited to follow along, no question. Okay, let's. since we are talking about the women, let's talk about today's relay. And one of the things that I'd like you to mention just in passing maybe about the women's side and the men's side is that you know it's a non-championship year, that there seems to be a little bit of experimentation, one, due to lack of, you know, some of the athletes are out due to health reasons, or Tonsef on the Norwegian side is running cross-country uh, championships in Norway, no, in I believe. Portugal, European, um, yeah. Oh, in Portugal. Oh, he's at the European championship. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. All right. Damn. No, it, it, it. I will speak to that. The relays are an exciting race. Um, is it a little weird that Claybo and... Everson and Sunby skipped it in some ways, yes. But then, if you recall a great conversation you had with Vegard Alvang earlier uh, in, <laughs> in, in the autumn, when you have over 40 races on the calendar and people are gunning for the overall World Cup, what do you expect? And the next week, the next week, we've been in Scandinavia for the last few weeks, and next weekend it's at 1,550 meters elevation. Of course, people are going to skip it if they're gunning for the overall, especially on the men's side of things when the races are punishing. Yesterday was a 30K, and uh, you have a 15K in Davos. A lot of points on the line. Bolshinov, uh, Everson, and Claybo, also good sprinters. Uh, you only have so much energy. So in one side of things, I think it's sad that they skip the relay, but then when you just dig a little under the surface, you're like, of course they do, because you have to manage your energy. And mm -hmm. 
Didrik doing European Championships cross country, amazing. It's an amazing story. He's, he's ran under 30 minutes for 10,000 this year, and he loves running. He's a great runner. He qualified for the European Championships by coming second at the Norwegian the Norwegian cross country championships. There's no there's no world championship. There's no Olympics. He showed himself to be in great form in Ruka. He won the race in Bidestolen for to as the tune up. And he take he's taking a week a weekend to do something he's passionate about and loves and that will give him a lot of energy as well. So I thought it was really cool that Didrik right, uh, traveled down to Portugal and put on the Norwegian jersey instead of the Norwegian speed suit and uh, played around with the big boys. And sure, he got he got beat, which was, of course, <laughs> he's going to get beat and that sort of thing. But uh, I thought it was cool that he decided to take that experience and awesome for the team for supporting him and doing that. And then the women's side of things, only 5K, little different story. Yohug did it. The Americans were so good today. So fun to see them in second. Oh, I just can't wait for that day that they put that together at a championship. I hope that happens soon because it should. And um, they skied great. From the men's side of the relay, wasn't that exciting, honestly. The last the last lap was pretty exciting with uh, Ustigov showing that uh, yesterday's disappointment, he could shake it off and, and really drop the hammer and, and finish alone like he did. And Russia goes 1-2. But at the same time, the, Amer- the Norwegian team was uh, weakened. Their three best skiers in the skiathlon sat out, whereas Russia only Bolshinov sat out. So... Yeah, there's. Uh, I think you're going to see that a lot. I think you're going to see some team sprints and, and some team events this year be a little more thin, and that's because athletes need to manage their energy, especially on the men's side. The race being in, you know, outside of, say, Oslo, a mecca of Nordic skiing or cross-country skiing, do you think the Norwegian coaches, when they're penciling in their men's team, that they think they've got a chance? and Or is it simply like, I mean to give the home crowd, the home scene, uh, a good show, you know? Oh, I mean, oh yeah, it is important. It's so important for their sponsors. It's so important for Norway. Like to, I mean, they were bummed. I mean, we're bummed to be, we're, I'm only saying we're cause I was working for them this weekend. Uh, it was, I'm Canadian. I'm bummed. There's no Canadians there, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, of course they're disappointed they didn't win, but at the same time, uh, all the staff that, that works these crazy long hours, they understand people that understand cross country skiing understand that you have to manage your energy. And in a world cup season that is as arduous as this one with two long tours in it, if you want a gun for the yellow bib and you see that Bolshinov is so strong already, you, you have to, you have to take decisions like that. I just think it's sad. I just think it's sad that one of the consequences of having such an insane uh, World Cup calendar when there's no championship is that great athletes skip it. And I should say, I should also say that that Sunbi is is dealing with a back injury, and that he's been dealing with that for a while now. And his shape really, he, he had a lot better race yesterday. He had a great, great race. Not not compared to Sunbi's best, but this season it was a good race to be fifth. And he was skiing well, but after the race, I was talking with him in the truck, and he was really stiff. He wasn't, uh, yeah, he was like walking around like uh, the Tin Man. So he 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 couldn't race today because of because of injury. But um, Klebo and Everson they decided to take the decision along with the staff to to manage their energy better. So I mean, but yeah, it's a balance, right? I mean, there was someone interview one of the crowd today in in the Lahomros interviewed like. They drove three and a half hours to come here to Lillehammer and, and watch the races this weekend. And even though the start list was out, they asked this woman in the crowd, like, oh, who are you most looking forward to cheering on today? And she's like, Klebo. I'm like, oh, Klebo's not starting. <laughs> so, which is not normal. People that are used to 
watching relays, especially in Norway, it's a really big honor and big deal to be a part of the Norwegian team. But this year is a little special. Okay, looking forward to next week, uh, things move to Davos, Switzerland, what people consider to be a high altitude venue. And there's a skate sprint, I believe, and certainly the interval start uh, skate race for the men and women. Yeah, any prognostication about that venue and what you expect? Yeah, Davos is super old school. The course is crazy old school, and it's the weirdest course in the World Cup because you just do all this work at the start with nothing really that steep. You have a steep, you have about probably like 32 seconds of steep hills, and the rest is just gradual. But it is more old school where you work seven minutes, eight minutes up, and then you just kind of cruise back down to the stadium. It's kind of definitely strange. Um, it's at a high altitude uh, for cross-country skiing. The limit's 1,800 meters, and it, it's the stadium is at 1,550 meters. So it is on the higher end of things. Um, traditionally, once in a while, full Scandinavian teams that, that the Swedes, the Norwegians, uh, the Finns, who do so well early in the season, Davos, there usually is a bit of a change that happens and the, the Central European teams come back online, especially the French. The French have had a horrendous start to the season, like absolutely horrendous. And even today I was shocked, like Clément Paris, who's really good skater when it's soft and and he just looked awful today. So, uh, But Davos, they, they've put five, four or five people in the top 10, not just once, but a number of times. So I, I hope they can bounce back. Uh, but at the same time, on the women's side of things, the usual suspects will be good. I mean, Teresa will win easily. And then you'll have, uh, I really, really, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jessie again. She, she just just digs so hard. Rosie, too, would be fun to see in a, 15, a 10K skate. And, uh, of course, like Heidi, Parmakowski, the, the usual suspects in the skate race. The sprinting will be fun because you're going to have Stina Nielsen back at it. Um, Sophie's so good in Davos as well in the skate sprint. And then you have uh, the Norwegian sprinters as well. But the Swedes are definitely the team I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, Dahlquist, uh, Sundling next weekend in the skate sprint. Um, for the men, for sure, the Norwegian, the Norwegian sprinters will be strong. The Russians are strong. Uh, some Swedes. I mean, it's, it's, it's really usual suspects when the sprint side of things, the top players are always good. The French, God, they're so good in, in, uh, skate sprints. Uh, and then in the men's distance races, like I said, be, let's have some Euro central Europeans do something. Like, I mean, I, we were talking about this with some of the guys today. Some of them, it's like, back in the days you had Pillar Cotter, Decenta, Roland Clara. You had a lot of great Italians, Germans. You had Teichmann, Philbrick, Angerer, tons of great guys. And where is everyone? I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all yeah, crosses. Right, all right. the flags are crosses. Germany's nowhere for the men. <laughs> Italians, nowhere for the men, other than Pellegrino, who of course will be good next weekend. He'll be on the podium. But um, in general, it's really, really sad to see Canada. I mean, we, we, we haven't even been represented. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Daria can do next weekend, though, because she was third in the OPA Cup yep. yesterday. That's which right. And the two girls that beat her were Katya Visnar and and, um, and Vesna Fabjan. So that was a great race by Daria in the OPA yesterday in, in Slovenia, the first OPA weekend. So I, I hope she can have a good day uh, in Davos. But... Um, in general, it's been a really Russia-Scandinavia beatdown, and the U.S. for the women. So I hope the Central Europeans can come back online next weekend. I really do, because 
yeah, it'd be nice to have uh, some representation from from those strong ski. Na- they are strong ski nations. Italy's a strong historic ski nation. What do you think? What about Maurice? Yeah, Maurice Magnificaz had just a horrendous start to the season. It's been garbage. I don't get it. But he's so but strong he, in Davos. So I, yeah, I hope his so. His spot is Davos. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I mean, he's usually not this bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming into, he's been. He sometimes he can be all over the place, but not this all over the place. But um, no, so I really, really hope, uh, really, really hope they come back online. It's always fun. It's always fun. This is a, this is a transition, right? Davos is always a transition every year. We're used to seeing those crosses, those flags with crosses, and Russia dominate the first two weekends because those biggest teams, those big teams. Sorry, the guys need to be firing in all cylinders just to have a chance to stay on the World Cup. Whereas. Central European teams, Canada, the U.S., they can kind of, the, the, the people, the athletes have a, they can have a little bit lower shoulders and look at a little bit longer term perspective because they will have many more chances on the World Cup. Uh, Simi, for example, it'd be great to see Simi have a great day next week in Davos. Um, and he can be afforded that, right? If he was on a Norwegian team and he had the weekends he's had, he's gone, you know? But he's not. He's American and, and uh, he has a good chance next weekend and there's no reason why he can't be in the final next weekend have you spoken to him i know he's you know he injured his hamstring i believe over the summer so he's been kind of fighting that and, yeah you know they they're yeah no yeah he's no, no, he's, all, yeah but. i talked to him about it he, of course like he's that's not that's not the best but he says he's also feeling good so you know with all these kind of aches and pains injuries it's hard to really know only simi knows same with like sunby's back for example like sunby was really right. like martin was complaining about his back after the race but he was also fifth so <laughs> so so i mean you know you know what there was a rumor that like a corset like you know those belts for back injuries yeah there was, there's a rumor that bolshenov raced the whole 30k with that under his suit because he's been struggling with a back injury right now but he won easily like in a sprint like holand drilled it so hard one of holand's best races his whole life bolshenov stays with him and then out sprints him so it's kind of like Okay, I understand that maybe we have some aches and pains, but only only the athletes themselves know right. the difference between like this is debilitating, really debilitating, or this is like okay, I can I can manage this, I can manage these small injuries. So I, I yeah, I hope. I mean, if Simi's starting races, uh, you have to assume that his back is is good enough to start because if it was so bad, he'd be back in the U.S. getting getting treatment. So okay, thanks, Devin. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Really, really good, and I'm really pumped that Canada is going to be on the start on the start list next weekend. Um, yeah, we are too. Really, really excited about that, and hopefully the Central Europeans can you know eat some cheese fondue and get fired up, and let's get some top tens. Make uh, make skiing a little exciting again. All right, thanks. Have a good week. Yeah, thanks. Take care. All Cheers. Right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you have a question for Devin, you can send those questions to devin at fasterskier.com or info at fasterskier.com. And lastly, this is definitely the last of the lastlies. You can find the Devin Kershaw Show on iTunes and Google Play. Thanks.